1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, March the 1st, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On March 1st, 1974, seven people, including former Nixon White House aides H.R. Haldeman, John Ehrlichman, John Mitchell, and former Assistant Attorney General Robert Meriden, were indicted on charges of conspiring uh, conspiring to obstruct justice in connection with the Watergate break-in. Four defendants were convicted in January of 1975. Meriden's um, conviction was later reversed. Today in 1815, Napoleon, having escaped exile in Alba, he arrived in Caen, France and headed for Paris. That was the beginning of what history calls his 100 days rule. Today in 1867, Nebraska became the 37th state. Today, in 1893, inventor Nikola Tesla, you know that name, Tesla, he first publicly demonstrated radio during a meeting of the National Electric Light Association in St. Louis by transmitting electromagnetic energy without wires. Radio. That's kind of what we're doing right now. Today, in 1954, four Puerto Rican nationalists opened fire from the Spectators Gallery of the U.S. House of Representatives, wounded five members of Congress. Today, in 1971, a bomb went off inside a men's room at the U.S. Capitol. The radical group Weather Underground claimed responsibility for the pre-dawn blast. I might just pause for a moment to remind us all that the founder of the Weather Underground, a radical group that was committed to blowing up government buildings, They always said they were not trying to kill anyone. They just wanted to destroy U.S. government buildings, and they did. They bombed a lot of them and uh, and some homes as well. But nonetheless, the founder of the Weather Underground, Bill Ayers, was a, a friend of Barack Obama's and still is. He later became, Ayers later became a professor in Chicago at a university. But during that time, Barack Obama, who was unknown virtually, decided to have a political career. The first place that he held a fundraiser for his first outing as a politician was, yes, you guessed it, in the home of Bill Ayers, his friend, in Chicago. Today in 2020... State officials said New York City had its first confirmed case of the coronavirus. A woman in her late 30s had contracted the virus while she was traveling in Iran. Health officials in Washington State, they announced what was believed at the time to be the second U.S. death from the coronavirus. They said the virus, Washington State said the virus may have been circulating for weeks undetected in the Seattle area. We always take a moment on this program to look back before we look at what's happening today, and then we look forward. We can do that because we can look at it through the lens of God's Word, the Bible, and see what it all means. At least we can sort it out and put it in perspective. That's what we do every day. I want to thank you for joining me each day. Many of you listen daily. Some of you listen as you can and so on, but thank you for listening. Uh, I'm honored, always, and humbled that you would join us and spend these moments with us, and I also appreciate so deeply your support. We have no other funding source but just the people who listen to this program and believe that it's of value. Thank you so much. We need your support each month. We need it. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399-Bellevue-98009. I found it interesting this morning. I was perusing a lot of news the last hour, hour and a half, two hours before this program comes on the air. I noticed that the New York Times couched the the news. A, a lot of, of news organizations and conservative and liberal, more liberal uh, and far left websites um, were carrying this news story. But I noticed the New York Times couched it in a very interesting way that the, the the headline of their article on this subject that I'm going to just share with you for a minute, it said a progressive problem. In other words, there's progressivism is only good to a certain point, and that caught my attention, of course. What it's about is Chicago, the Chicago's mayor race, uh, they had their primary yesterday, and it didn't end well for Lori Lightfoot, who's the incumbent. But here's what the New York Times had to say. A progressive problem. Chicago's mayor race has joined the, the growing list of evidence that Americans are unhappy about crime. So they are immediately, with the first sentence out of their mouth, out of their hand, out of their keys, is um, that progressivism only works to a certain point. <laughs> and then they have to draw it, reel it back because it breaks down. It does. They're right. It always does. There is no final good outcome of progressivism. It just creates problems that then they pursue solving, and, and that's the cycle of life for the progressive worldview, the leftist or secular worldview. Whereas in a biblical worldview, we look at the the issues of, of in the world and there are final solutions. Life has a final solution. We ultimately are judged by what we did not in our works, but what we did with Jesus Christ. In a biblical worldview, the ultimate decision that all of us make in our lives has to do with whether we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as the Son of God who became flesh, dwelt among us, died on a cross, was resurrected from the dead. And if we accept him as our Savior, we have then been given eternal life we could spend all of eternity with God in heaven. So there's there's always a finality in, in a biblical worldview. Things make sense. In other words, we don't look at our world and say, wow, it's just a bunch of chaos. I mean, who knows? Nothing makes sense. Well, it does make sense if we look at it through a biblical worldview. Even <laughs> the New York Times is admitting with the first sentence out of their mouth, that progressivism only only is good to a point. Chicago's mayor race, they say, I repeat, has joined the growing list of evidence that Americans are unhappy about crime. Well, of course we are unhappy about crime. People are driving through the cities all over this nation and shooting each other and shooting at each other, particularly here in the Northwest, but uh, across the country. Lori Lightfoot, the incumbent, yesterday became the first Chicago mayor in 40 years to lose a re-election campaign. Lightfoot, a progressive in her first term, finished third in the initial stage of this year's campaign, in which nine candidates were trying to qualify for a runoff in April. Lightfoot received only 17% of the vote. The runoff will be between this Paul Vallis, he's the former head of the city school system, and another guy, Brandon Johnson, he's a progressive uh, county commissioner, be interesting to see how all that shakes out. But nonetheless, Lori Lightfoot is out, and the New York Times is admitting that progressivism, uh, it only works to a certain point. Then we need to shut it off and pull back, or we're going to be out of business if we're a politician and probably other professions as well. The Great, La- uh, the Great Salt Lake in uh, Utah is disappearing Um, The media is saying this morning, Business Insider says it's leaving behind a toxic bowl of dust and potentially one of the greatest environmental disasters in U.S. history. Well, that that may be true, but lawmakers in Utah are working to address the the, uh, calls of scientists who say time is running out to save the uh, the Great Salt Lake from disappearing and stave off impending environmental disaster. If you continue to read through that article, and I'm not going to, they say th- they get to the point that I knew they would get to, and that is they say, well, you know, the reason that the salt, Great Salt Lake is drying up is because of human activity, mining, and a couple of other things that they identify there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what they don't take into f- effect, and again, it, it's the, the secular humanist worldview versus a biblical worldview. I'm not suggesting it's not important. If, if the Great Salt Lake dries up, I mean, that would be a big deal. But what they are not willing to admit is if you look at history, I mean, even I can figure that out. I'm not a scientist. But if you look at history, as far as recorded history, the Earth has always been dynamic and changing. It has never been static as far as climate is concerned. And so these people have now taken what has always been from the creation of Earth not not the Big Bang arrival, but creation of Earth and all that is in the universe by God, the creator. As long as we have recorded history or somebody was taking notes somewhere or orally passing it down, climate has always been changing. And in more recent years, and I mean the long recent years, there the people have been recording it. There's been cooling trends. It hasn't been 40, 50 years ago. The Time magazine on the cover was talking about the coming Ice Age. I remember reading that as a young preacher, pastor. And I thought, man, you know, I mean, it was a big deal. They were talking about it and concerned about it. What are, what are we going to do to solve this problem? And I don't remember what they did, but I'm sure it involved more taxes and spending people's money. But that is the natural flow of events. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't have stewardship over the earth. We, we are told to by the Bible to take have dominion over God's creation. And there's a stewardship piece of that that we take care of it. and We, we look out for the environment and we take care of it because that's in our best interest. But we have gone so far to the crazy side that nothing happens. If a bird, if a robin doesn't lay two eggs in her nest, it's some kind of climate change and it needs to be studied and whatever. I mean, it's just, we've gotten to the point where sane people would have to push back at some point and say, man, you know, we may be on the wrong track. I don't know if, The New York Times knew what they, I mean, understood what they were saying in the first line of their story about Lori Lightfoot this morning or not, but that's what they were saying. Too much progressivism. We got to pull back. The guy that won has run, run, I mean, he's a liberal, obviously, I would assume he's a Democrat, but he has been running his campaign to be tough on crime. And and, um, Chicago is probably one of the worst in the nation. For crime. I mean, a lot of cities have shootings almost every night, but Chicago has like a war every night. I mean, there's 20, 30, 40 people get shot over a weekend, every weekend. So this guy runs, this liberal guy, probably a progressive for sure. I mean, who else would they even elect in Chicago? But um, he runs on... The fact that he's going to be tough on crime, I mean, whether he will or not remains to be seen if he becomes the mayor, but he runs on that and the people will go, yeah, that's what we want. And all the time they keep bowing at the altar of progressivism. And that's where it takes you. And the people, knowingly or unknowingly, in Chicago are choosing another way or at least another leader for the time. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10 says, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. God never changes. God's promises are never broken. They are always kept. And God loves you. And he loves me and he cares for us. And God is in control. There's a new study out by the National Center for Family and Marriage Research. It's called NCFMR to reveal that marriage in the United States has declined pers- pers- precipitously in the last half century, nearly 60%. Why? What is the impact on adults and kids? And culture, when marriage is thrown under the bus. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today because it's very important. Marriage is fundamental to God's creation. It is the cornerstone of humanity. God created marriage even as he created the world and the universe and the sky and all that is in it. God created marriage. The national marriage rates have continuously fluctuated between the 1890s and the 1960s. It has peaks and troughs, like the weather. I mean, things aren't static. They're changing. And the left has tried to capture that truth, and then they've made a kind of a religion or a philosophy out of it. But national marriage rates have fluctuated. They haven't been steady. They peaks and troughs in between. I looked at that long span of time, and it is—it's just up and down on a chart. There's been a consistent decline, though, and that's why I'm talking about this this morning. Since the 1970s, this National Center for Family and Marriage Research has, has uh, published this survey, and it's—it's it's in depth. It's—it's it's very good. The marriage rate in 1970 stood at 76.5 percent. Today. It's down by more than half at 31.1%. In the article and in their, um, in their survey, they, they quote uh, this sociologist, Andrew Cherlin. He's with Johns Hopkins University. He's noted that uh, their findings reveal that the formal benefits of marriage are continuing to dwindle as the rise of cohabitation and co-parenting has eroded historic social pressures. I would agree, that's exactly what's happening. It used to be a basic institution that everybody had to buy into in an early adult, Sherilyn told Axios. That's a They're not really conservative, but they're not far left. Uh, it's a news organization. But anyway, he told Axios on Saturday uh, in an interview, he said, you got married, then you moved in together, then you got a job. No question that marriage rates have dropped, but for those of us who believe marriage is a God-ordained Union between a man and a woman, there are some good, good news signs as well, and I'll share that with you this morning. We'll come back to that in a moment. But this new research paper underscores the idea, the divergent marriage rates by race and ethnicity. Although women as a whole have seen marriage rates decline since the 1950s, during the Cleaver's time, these changes have been particularly pronounced by blacks and Hispanics. Currently, uh, this study found the racial ethnic group with the lowest proportion married is black women, 26%. And the group with the highest is Asian women, 56%. Women getting married for the first time in their lives, that's a demogra- demographic group that falls between, in, for this study's purpose, 40 and 59. They've seen their numbers skyrocket in recent years and they're kind of wondering why, if you read this whole uh review this whole uh, study that they've done. But it seems like the older demographic of women are wanting to get married as they get older, between 40 and 59 years old. Not suggesting those ages are old, of course, but older than a teenager. Since 1990, this study, uh, the co-director of this study, Susan Brown, she said that they delayed their marriages and the delay has increased by 75%. And Americans are increasingly foregoing or delaying marriage, which is a dramatic shift from societal norms just a generation ago, of course. And we I think most of us can remember that if we're over 40. We can remember that, I mean, it marriage was, I mean, people talked about it, it was a part of life, but it has been so trashed and so attacked by so many different voices and agendas, and we'll get to that, as well this morning. But this um, Sherilyn, this guy from Johns Hopkins, he, he said, life is a bit easier if you're married. He said, but many of life's events we link to marriage, such as cohabitating or having kids, are increasingly occurring outside of marriage. That's true. Interestingly, even as the marriage rate is falling, the institution still holds value with some in the U.S., According to this Susan Brown, she's a co-director of the National Center for Family and Marriage Research, who did this survey. It used to be a basic institution. Everybody bought into it in early adulthood. Charlene said, you got married, then you moved in together, then you got a job. He said, marriage is now becoming the last step into adulthood. It's an optional step. People are more likely to want to finish their education, find a job and pay off debt, then get hitched. Those are his words. There is some good news in all of this, and i got to share this with you as well. Then we're going to talk about the, the biblical aspect of this and the cultural. But academic studies about the American societal attitudes toward marriage have not changed considerably despite the rapidly changing wedding landscape with a certain group. And that's the young group, high school seniors, Nearly 75% of high school seniors surveyed in 1976 expressed an interest in getting married. That number only dropped by 3% in that many years by 2020. It hasn't changed. High school seniors are still coming out of high school for the most part. Only 3% drop in, what, 20, 40 years, whatever. So that has only changed among the older So what's happening is these high school kids, I mean, they still want to get married, 75% of them, 73% still, they want to get married. They think it's a good idea to get married. I think one of the reasons that they feel that way is that God has imprinted in all of us his plan, his purposes. We generally, naturally go toward God's plan for humanity. It is when we have been conformed to the world system by all of the noise and the attack from the media and from public education and from, from entertainment and, and all of the, and too many churches now have, are celebrating gay marriage and all that kind of thing. We have been so attacked and so maligned from this stuff that by, as we get older, Our view changes. And that's what I mentioned this yesterday, but I mentioned it again. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a process. Keep renewing your mind. And we keep renewing our mind because we are focused on God and on God's word. And as we look at the world and look at our own personal lives and our family and our businesses and whatever, as we look at all of that through the lens of God's word, we continue to renew our mind, and if we become static, and we become lax in in reading God's Word, and, and, and prayer, and, and our walk with the Lord, and our worldview begins to change. Barnett keeps coming out with these surveys, and I'm not going to talk about his recent one, but his recent one comes out, and he says, once again, we the 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 percentage of people who have a biblical worldview has dropped and the last from his last survey and the last survey was just a few months ago we are losing our biblical worldview and our sense of seeing our life as god sees it and that's what's happening in america and that's why marriage has shifted i remember back when washington state we had a big battle over marriage you remember that i was very involved in that and some of you some of you remember that, and we're, we were all involved in it together. But the group that was heading that up, it asked me to be kind of the spokesman for the group that was, we were trying to restore marriage and save marriage and so on from Ed Murray, who was molesting children, we find out later at the time, later became mayor of Seattle. But anyway, anyway I remember Dave Ross used to love to get me on the radio, on Cairo uh, radio, and he would always kind of attack, he's, he's not a bad guy, he just profoundly disagreed on the marriage issue uh, with me and, and all of us who believe in biblical marriage as between a man and a woman. And he would take, and I remember one day he asked me, the first question he asked me, he said, so Gary, he said, you guys are just so, you know, hard line on this you there's no compassion for, you You can marry whom you love and blah, blah, blah. And he said, how is this going to affect your marriage? And I just instinctively answered. I think the Lord led me in that. But I said, it isn't. (laughs) And there was a long pause. And you don't have long pauses on the radio, honestly. And and then finally he came back. He said, well, what do you mean? I mean, why are you out there trying to protect? I said, I'm out there trying to protect marriage as between a man and a woman. I said, all of us are, because God created it that way, Dave. I said, it isn't about my marriage. It's about the institution of marriage. I said, it doesn't matter how many people, how many gays get married in your studio or wherever. I said, that's not going to change Marjorie's and my relationship. But I said, you guys are attacking, I said, you're as an ally. I said, you guys are attacking the very institution of marriage that God put in place. And he put in place because it's a better way for mankind to be married to a a, a man and a woman be married. Not polygamy, not homosexuals, married, so-called so that that's kind of the bottom line of where all of this is. and now we're beginning to see the results of it. And although these young kids coming out of high school still have a high esteem for marriage as they get older, it's changing and that this study among other things, show that. Wendy Patrick is a uh, a lawyer and a Ph.D. She's written an excellent article for Psychology Today. It's titled The Advantages of Marriage Over Cohabitation. There's four keys to it. I don't have time to go through it today, but I included it in an article that's on our website, faithandfreedom.us. And uh, as Patrick, her four key points are the commitment of marriage is more satisfying than cohabitation, Tying the knot often strengthens relationships. Formalizing a partnership creates investment, and marriage is celebrated as a significant life event. That is true. That's why Jesus said, quoting Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, but let me quote 4, 5, well, maybe in 6 too. But he said, And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning, them them, male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more twain, two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. That is God's plan for humanity. I understand marriages come apart. I've been in the ministry as a pastor or youth pastor or music pastor my entire adult life. I understand marriages break up, and there are people today who are single who don't want to be. I know that, and I will tell you God knows that. He knows your heart. But as a principle, God's will is that men and women get married a male and a female, and have a family. That's God's plan, and that is the happiest path for all mankind. It just is. God designed marriage for three primary purposes. Companionship, procreation, and there is a redeeming aspect to marriage. We become accountable to one another, husband and wife, and that helps us in our life of serving the Lord.